got a magic here with, from Palace Radio with Mr Chris Hassel, who was once an erstwhile uh, Crystal Palace secretary during a period when Crystal Palace were most certainly on the up. Um, Chris, can I just start off by asking you, how did your involvement with Crystal Palace begin and when? Well, it started in 61, and Arthur Rowe um, I got in touch with because I was organising uh, football, and he came to present some prizes and then um, uh, Palace were just getting uh, up out of the fourth division, you know, in the, the Peterborough days and Johnny Budgie Burn. So um, uh, things were bubbling at the club. And uh, he said, would you like to come and work for me? So how did you know Arthur before then? I, I, because I was organising uh, football in, in five-a-side terms. I organised a big tournament at Epsom in Surrey, and he came with Budgie to present the prizes. And actually, I, ch- I applied for a job at Chelsea and asked Arthur if he would uh, give me a reference, which he did. When he next uh, we met up, he said, oh, how did you do? I said, no, I didn't get the job. So he said, well, come and work for me instead. And that period will be very strongly in a lot of Palace fans' minds because we'd come out of the 50s being very down with the dead men sort of club and then suddenly, 60-61, with the arrival of um, Arthur Rowe, it really, it really changed around, didn't it, yes. very quickly? Arthur, Arthur's uh, style of football was tremendous. And, you know, in that, in that year when we got promotion, our average gate was 19,200 average and we had 37,774 against Millwall, which is the fourth division record and still stands today. I like the way you still remember the exact number. <laughs> and uh, that game against Millwall, what can you remember? Because we lost that day, didn't we? Uh, yes, when you, when you think you get a fantastic crowd in and then you don't perform on the field, that's always disappointing. And that, that did happen from time to time. But did it kind of reiterate the fact that Palace could could have the potential to become a big club because we grew from that point on, didn't we? Very much so. And Arthur Waite, of course, who, who really was the, um, the father figure, uh, along with the other directors, but Arthur was really the, the guy who really made this club tick. And all the guys who've been here today um, really would love to turn the clock back and relive those days because it was such a great club, a family club. Everybody worked together and knew each other and got on well together. It was an entirely different scene to what the game is today. And we were known for the style of football as well. Obviously, down amongst the dead men, it was very much kick and hoof, but Arthur had a very different footballing philosophy. Yes, of course, push and run. And Budgie Byrne was the catalyst. He was the the linchpin of that side. And uh, Roy Summersby uh, was was there as well. And um, there was lots of other guys who really were um, keen to play what we call proper football. We scored 110 goals as well. So it was great stuff. Now, we did struggle after going up for a while, didn't we? Can you remember that era when Arthur, Arthur Rao finally sort of had to hang up his managerial boots? That's right. The, the manager changed uh, to Dick Graham and then later to Bert Head. Um, but it was always um, Arthur Waite was sort of pushing and ambitious for the club to do better. And everybody else obviously wanted to... Uh, that to happen at the same time so it it was really uh, wonderful to be involved and of course when we got promotion from uh, second division up to the first division I then got the fixtures they came out from the football league what's the first match we got Manchester United at home Georgie Best Law Charlton Oh, what a fantastic uh, time. Now, seven years previous to that, we obviously, on this day, 47 years ago, played the great Real Madrid down here. Now, what can you remember about how that came about? I I remember that very much indeed. Arthur Rowe and uh, Real Madrid were at the the height of their sort of fame and power. They'd won the European Cup, I think, five or six times. 
Di Sefino, Pushkus, Hento, uh, Santa Maria, all the names of those guys. And uh, Arthur Rowe met a guy called George Starrup. I can remember seeing them in Croydon. They went out for lunch and uh, George Starrup sold it to Real Madrid that they could play Palace because we weren't going to kick them off the park. We paid them £10,000 as a guarantee. We put them up at the Park Lane Hotel. I remember going to the dinner after the match. We all went up, or the, the staff and the players went up for a dinner at the Park Lane afterwards. And to get the autographs of all those players, which I still have today, was an, an, an abiding memory. The tickets, too, were specially printed by the banknote printers, Bradbury Wilkinson in, from Rains Park. So it was a fantastic sort of, um, oh, the, you know, the, the, the feeling in the club was absolutely fantastic. And that was obviously to commemorate the uh, new floodlights, which Palace have always been known for their Philips um, uh, state-of-the-art floodlights. And uh, it showed big ambitions for the club, didn't it, even then? That's right. Uh, Arthur Rowe and Arthur Waite together had great uh, sort of uh, ambitions and vision for the club. And, and the way I think that it has gone showed just what that vision was and to get all the way to that first division and live with the big the big boys for a few seasons that was fantastic because while we were on the up another couple of big attendances were that 65 cup run when both Leeds and Forest um, bought in over 40,000 and set two ground records as well that's right Uh, I remember we played Southampton I think it was the third round and Dick Graham was the manager at the time and I sat down in the director's box at Southampton with Arthur Waite and he said who's that guy as the players ran out, I said, it's Roy Horobin. And we'd signed him in the, in the early season, and he hadn't played at all. And, and within five minutes, he'd scored a goal. And we won, I think, two or three nil, and then went on to play Forest and then Leeds United. And I've still got the picture of 40-odd thousand tickets and me just peeping over the top of these 40,000 tickets for the Leeds United Cup tie, where we sold them at all four turnstiles around the ground. And they were all done within a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and everybody was happy. It must have been quite incredible times because obviously the money was coming in and uh, the the bigger plan was always to sort of get up there. So, I mean, Bert Head came in at around that time, didn't he? That's right. And he moved the club on and, uh, you know, we we took us a a few seasons to, uh, to, to get going. But just going back to the early days, I remember Arthur Waite was very friendly with Derek Robbins, the Coventry chairman, and we did sort of move along with them at, at a time because Jimmy Hill had gone to Coventry and, and I think Arthur Waite and Derek Robbins were sort of vying with each other to see who could sort of get up um, before the other. And I think Alan Leather, who succeeded you, was the Coventry chairman at the time as well. No, no. Uh, he was the secretary. He was the secretary at Coventry very briefly, I think. Uh, that's right, yes. But there was no love lost between Dick Graham and Jimmy Hill, I think it's fair to be said. Oh, no, no. And Dick Graham, we had some fun with Dick. When, um, I remember when Leeds United came, if, uh, or, or any of our sort of real rivals, if it was a hot day, you'd shut the windows and turn the heating up. If it was a cold day, you'd open the windows and turn the heating up. <laughs> and Dick Graham also was um, responsible for the 30-minute declaration of teams because he wouldn't tell anybody what the team was until they ran out and he'd put number 11 would be right back and number 2 would be left wing. Oh, he did anything to try and confuse the opposition. And he took those sort of mind-boggling tactics to Colchester where they had a very successful um, cup game against uh, Leeds United as well. Do you think there were a lot of Palace people who knew him from then that were watching that with a keen eye? I'm sure I I was following it. And and I think, didn't Brian Lewis uh, 
play, it was one of our other players was playing for Coventry at that time and did very well. So, you know, it's, it's great that the cup brings out the, the best in, in everybody. So Bert Head comes in and uh, it's fair to be said he's a wheeler and dealer. Oh, very much so. Yes, we've just been talking today. He's got players from Scotland and Norway and all over the place. So, uh, and I used to, I, I signed a few up in Scotland. Uh, Greenwich Morton, we had a few from there. Uh, they came from all over. And although it's someone who never played in the first division, I think Alan Stevenson maybe was a pivotal feature of that promotion season because we managed to get £80,000 from West Ham for him and uh, started to spend that money in Burt's usual style, £2,000 for John McCormack, value for yeah, money? It was 1500 actually. 1500 for him and the same for uh, John White. Uh, Tommy White, Tommy White. His brother John was the one played at Tottenham and got killed, sadly. And uh, 1500 each. And then we sold... Um, uh, Tommy to Blackpool for twenty two or three thousand quid. I remember, so that was a. And then John McCormick's played, you know, hundred and two to three hundred uh, matches for us, all, and in the first division as well. And then that promotion game against Fulham. Do, do, was there a feeling around the club from everyone, to sort of um, the T boy, that this was something that was a combined effort amongst everyone at the club? Oh, very much so. It, it's that's that's what really took us up. The, the whole atmosphere from the directors all the way down. Uh, everybody, Arthur Rowe, and the, the you know the, from the the boot boot room and the groundsman, everybody was involved. They were part of the club, so that was the feeling. And when you do it, it's marvellous. So we we go up, and unbelievably, Crystal Palace are playing Manchester United in the very first game. What are your abiding memories of that well, day? That, that was a, a dream come true. You couldn't have planned that better or wished for anything better. To have Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, George Best to play here and we drew they didn't uh, humiliate us humiliate us or um, or run a, run us over at all we we fought like uh, tigers and to finish up 2-2 was great stuff and obviously from the secretary's point of view a new ground record again can you remember what the receipts were for that day or no, that's a figure I, I can't i'd love to, to sort of delve back in the in the history books for that uh, but we i can remember the chairman when all the money started to roll in once that everybody knew we'd got man united at, at home and um, he came to help me open the um, open the mail and uh, bank all the money of course, a lot had been invested in the ground and we, we had very much built for that moment and it had just sort of culminated at the same right time that the Arthur Waite and the new White Horse had been open for that game. You're right. And uh, the, the, the covered, the, the stand um, basically was going to be there. But when we felt we might get promotion, Arthur, the chairman, f- thought, let's put the seats in as well. So it was a really, him being a builder, he masterminded the whole operation and we had the uh, the builders slept in the in the boardroom and the offices to, to work 24 hours a day on, on shifts to get the building ready for this big match we've got started the season. So, Because obviously the stand was going up during that 68-9 to nine season. Was it not the original intention to put the seats in straight away? or No, no, it was just going to be a, a straight cover to begin with. And it was only when we were sort of knocking on top of the league there that uh, they thought, let's get the seats in, which, which we did by the, by the skin of our teeth. But it gave the ground a lovely symmetry. And um, when you think of the sort of nigh on 50,000 crowds we were getting on a semi-regular basis... Obviously, Arthur Waite's vision was it could have been seen through if made of we, maybe we'd have stayed up eventually. That's right. Yeah, well, you you need to consolidate for a, a good few years to accumulate the cash to reinvest into the ground because Arthur didn't take a penny out of this club. He did it all for love, 
and that's uh, a bit sad when you see what's happened in football these days but there we are but can you remember remember the events that led to Ray Bloy taking over they must sort of still hold rather sort of bitter memories for a lot of people at the club yes it was at the time I, I moved to Everton and when I spoke with Arthur Waite he said well you know good luck to you and I wish you well and I think you're doing the right thing because he said I'm not going to be here at the Palace much longer things are beginning to change and so um, you know good luck and off you go so we were victims of his own success, maybe, even. Really, that's right. It was when the game was beginning to change. And we'd had we'd had best part of 20 years, as it was in the old days. But everything, life changes and things move on, sadly. And it's uh, not always for the better. But happy memories from your times at Palace. Oh, absolutely marvellous. I, I love coming back and seeing the boys. And, and even the staircase is the same as, as what it was in my time. And all sorts of little things like that. So The club crest changed a bit, but not else oh, besides. Yes, I'm, I was a bit sad about the club crest because I thought the old one was pretty good. And the, and the note paper that we had when I first started was uh, brilliant. Chris, thank you very much indeed. And nowadays you're um, administrating in uh, in cricket. Uh, that's right. Yes, I've, I've been retired from Yorkshire, um, you know, first class for five or six years now. But I'm president of Yorkshire Schools Cricket and spend a lot of time and effort in um, helping to nurture one or two budding young cricketers. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris Hassel.